We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a week five edition of the Rotowire Sports Gambling Podcast, presented as always by our good friends over at BetMGM. Make sure if you're doing your betting this weekend on the NFL, you are using the BetMGM app. You can also bet at betmgm.com. And you got to use our promo code. You absolutely have to use the promo code BetRoto, B E T R O T O. That's BetRoto. Nick Whalen here, back with John McKechnie. Uh, I was just telling you, John, I got a new mic set up here. So if you're watching us live uh, on Twitter or on YouTube, um, no, I am not emceeing some sort of award show, but I do have to hold it kind of like a, a sideline reporter. But I tell you what, it's kind of comfy. You know, I, I was I'm realizing now that I was kind of tethered to, to leaning over and speaking into the mic. I mean, it, depending on how long this court is, I mean, I could walk around my my office here. I, I think I'm in OK shape, John. You could do, you know, some some real stage presence uh, possibilities are opened up to you with, with the with the kind of free standing microphone, yeah. you know, and and uh, you know, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but this is this is a a piece of the old guard at, at RotoWire uh, piece of equipment, you know, so like mm-hmm. it's kind of giving uh, like if if corn was doing like a, a radio appearance like in the early 2000s, like an acoustic set. <laughs> <laughs> uh so to answer your question yes i think the term you're looking for is this is a relic uh, of the old rotowire office uh that, I, that i've inherited for my own uh I, I went to go pick it up at the office this past weekend it was just it was sitting in just like a garbage bag on my desk it was like yes this is this is exactly what we're looking for um gotta be honest not following the corn analogy uh but i'm gonna assume that it was accurate and there are going to be people listening uh who, who are nodding along and saying yes john great point there's a there's some amazing like TikTok uh, guy that that has compiled all this footage of like terrible rock bands playing uh, acoustic sets at radio shows and uh, once every couple months I go back to it and this is one of those weeks where where I did so that's kind of my headspace right now. Okay, that's that's the exact headspace that I want you in uh, as we we briefly recap week four and then we move into week five. Uh, we'll go game by game. We'll we'll try to hit everything. Um, you know, on Sunday and Monday, uh, we'll, we'll talk about a few futures. And, and then, of course, we'll wrap up uh, by talking some Survivor and offering up our best bets. Uh, but looking back on week four, John, uh, what, what do you feel like were your best and worst calls of the week? Um, so the best calls, um, 
it, and it's because they, they kind of lined they they lined up well with kind of my general analysis of the of the teams that were in play. Um, you know, for for instance, the Packers covering ten and a half points. Like I just didn't feel like they were built to do that, especially like with Bill Belichick, his ability to just kind of like make a, make a game plan, a one off game plan that that he's able to execute. And you know, I didn't expect it to go quite that well. I thought that you know it'd be over in regulation. I thought the Packers would just win uh, by a touchdown, but you know that that one went to the brink. Uh, so that was pretty wild. Um, so felt, felt good about that one. And then, uh, I, I just really liked betting against Indianapolis, um, going up at home against the Titans. I, I just didn't feel like there was really anything to take away from their win over the chiefs other than it being a fluke. And it, it kind of ended up, uh, looking that way with, with the Titans coming to town and, and winning. Um, so th- those were the best ones I, I felt. And, uh, you know, as far as the Titans go, uh, we'll see how we feel about them this weekend against the commanders. I'm, I'm, Kicking that one around. Uh, as far as the worst, obviously, best bet took the L once again. So, already been uh, looking forward to to doing the read once again this week. And then uh, the the double whammy of betting against your team losing, but then also that the winning team not covering. That's like the the triple whammy. You don't love that. So the Ravens uh, second half collapse against the Bills. Uh, and then lo- th- having the audacity to only lose by a field goal on a four-point spread, mm-hmm. um, just really, really painful stuff there. So that those were, uh, I felt like, the two worst ones. And, and again, yeah, Cleveland, I didn't expound upon it much, but maybe I under- underestimated the the Falcons, but I don't really think so. I think I, I, I more so just underestimated the impact of no Clowney, no, no Miles Garrett. Yeah, I don't know what to think of the Falcons. We'll we'll get into their matchup with Tampa Bay in week five. But the Browns, like the Browns are legitimately close to being four and oh. And I feel like half the teams in the league right now are saying, like, oh man, we, we should be three and one or we should be four and oh, or I mean, there's some teams that could be 0 and four. The Browns truly have been right there uh in, in a couple of these games. You know, they 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 blew uh blew the lead to the Jets and then, you know, of course, kind of coughing this one away. Uh, against Atlanta as well. Both of those games, of course, ending on like horrific interceptions by Jacoby Brissett, like very, very similar plays. But the Browns put themselves in a 10-0 hole in that game. You know, they they went down on their first drive. They get stuffed on a fourth down inside their own five-yard line. And then they immediately turn it over on their next possession. And all of a sudden, you know, you're playing from a deficit. And for a team that has, I, I think the Browns have operated exactly how I hope they would. You know, they are just pounding the run. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, like they're they're doing exactly what they should be given their situation. And again, they should be at least three and one. They could be four and oh, but it does make it difficult to play that style when you're in an early hole. Yeah, that that's worst case for for them. They they really they're not built to to come out from that. And it's not just Brissett. You know, they just kind of lack the 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 pass catching depth. You know, outside of Amari Cooper, there's really uh not a lot to write home about. You know, even, well, he was even completely the... shut down. Yeah, he was. AJ Terrell is 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 a beast, but um, you know, even draft nicks like myself that that you know see the tools with a guy like Donovan Peoples Jones or Anthony Schwartz can still acknowledge that they they aren't total difference makers on Sundays just yet. Yeah, very big of you to admit that uh, on Donovan Peoples Jones, who I also liked uh, quite a bit in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was really wrong about Green Bay as well. I told everybody who was asking that I thought it was going to be just a complete redux of the bears game in, in week two where, you know, they, they didn't really come out impressive, but you never really worried about them actually losing the game. They end up covering. 
I thought we, I thought it was going to be you know Green Bay twenty seven, Patriots fourteen, something like that. Uh, you know, I was watching with some friends on Sunday here in Milwaukee, and we took a poll. You know, late in the fourth quarter, we said, "All right, you know, gun to your head right now. Do you think the Green Bay Packers are going to win this game?" And maybe part of it was you know these guys being pessimistic Packers fans, but it was a unanimous vote that we did not think Green Bay was winning. So obviously, you know, they pull out a tail between their legs win uh, in overtime. Should not have come to that. I, I think everybody agrees. But, you know, on one hand, I, I feel good about Green Bay finding a way to win. I, I think, you know, there, there are a lot of games for every team, uh, at least a handful throughout the season where you look back and at the time, you know, it feels like a, wow, I can't believe this happened. Is this team not any good? Um, you know, you can, you can say that about the Chiefs and the Colts two weeks ago. And then by the end of the year, you look back and you say, oh yeah, that was a weird game, but it didn't really matter, you know? And I, I think that's what this is ultimately going to be for Green Bay. Now they're, they're in a weirdly similar situation this week. You know, you don't have the home field advantage. They're technically the home team in London, but you have a similar, you know, kind of wounded giants team coming in your, your eight point favorites. I think had they actually taken care of business last week, that number would be a little bit higher. I think this is a really good spot now for green Bay to bounce back. I, I think it's really hard to catch a team off guard and to have that kind of poor performance two weeks in a row. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And, and, you know, the London thing, you know, it, it obviously adds a wrinkle um, and, you know, big favorites. It, it's tough to cover over there, like historically. Um, but yeah, I mean, d- for as un- uninspiring of a, of a win as it was over the Bailey Zappi led uh, New England Patriots, like I do feel like, and, and again, like I, this isn't a sp- something that I think is going to continue like season long, but the Packers aren't obviously going to be running into teams with, with, you know, uh, bad quarterback situations every single week. I don't think the Packers are, I think the Packers are very good. I don't think that they're necessarily built to blow teams out right now. And maybe, maybe uh, if, if Romeo Dobbs can kind of like develop into that guy opposite Alan Lazard, then maybe we start to see this, this Packers offense wake up. The defense is great and they can just kind of be content to win Right. games without necessarily like you know running teams off the field like we've seen uh in previous years when Aaron Rodgers yeah. kind of has a full strength crew around him but this is this is a good spot this is one of the few times this year where I could see the Packers being uh, favored by more than touchdown and me taking mm-hmm. it yeah again I don't see that happening you know that kind of letdown um you know it's such it's such an obvious trap game for Green Bay that you you just like if we're aware of it they have to be aware of it you know how do you kind of mm-hmm. let that letdown happened, but no, you're right. I mean, this is a completely different type of green Bay team. Unlike any that we've seen uh, during the Aaron Rodgers tenure, you know, there's been a lot of, there's a lot of years where they had to win games like 45 to 38. And now I think they're going to have to win a lot of games like 23 to 17. And that's Mm -hmm. just who the Packers are. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I think you need to see a little more out of the offense. You you can't, you can't be scoring like 24 points a game, you know, by the end of the year, I, I think there needs to be some sort of progress there, but we're also seeing this reflected in the Packers totals, right? I mean, it was a low total last week against new England. And of course, part of that is the opponent, but even this week, you know, 41 points is the total for the Packers and the giants, uh, an implied finishing score of about, you know, 24 and a half to 16 and a half. So 25, 17, 24, 15, something like that. Um, honestly, that seems about right. You know, I, I don't think that the giants are going to be able to do much of anything against this green Bay defense. I think it's a game where the clock runs really quickly. I think both teams keep the ball on the ground and, you know, I feel I feel kind of lame saying this because I said the same thing, but I think it's going to be a lot like that Packers-Bears game in week two where Green Bay's in control. You maybe don't always feel great about how it looks, but they end up coming out okay. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree that this time around, I, I don't think the Giants are, mm-hmm. are sneaking up on them uh, that this time around. And, um, you know, I think the Giants, uh, I mean, it's not just the quarterback that, that's bad. Not that New England is a particularly impressive roster at, at this point anyway, but I, I really don't think that the, the Giants are, are cooking with a lot of particularly good uh, ingredients no. right now. I think they have the worst receiving core in the league at the moment. Uh, given some of their injuries, I mean, it is mm-hmm. it's rough. It's Richie James, it's David Sills. I I picked up David Sills in a fantasy league last week. Uh, I'm not I'm not too proud. <laughs> it's a to safe space that. to say that. Yeah, okay. thank you, thank you. My name is Nick. I I, I own David Sills in the league <laughs> uh, in a league where I have no business uh, needing to to stoop that low. Um, all right, let's talk about some lines in Week Five that are a little too high or a little too low. Give me give me your two or three lines that you're looking at and you think eh, this is a little fishy. Um, so. Unlike last week where everything was was kind of within that five and a half points or, or less, uh, there's a lot more to choose from this week. And I, I think that, that it pre- makes this board really interesting that this week. Like, it, you know, some could argue that the, the Packers, especially after last week, is that line too high? I don't think so personally. I do want to get your thoughts on the Bills, though, because hmm. 14 points – that's a lot. The Bills, I think everyone agrees, is still the the best t- or are still the best team in the NFL. They return home. They get to face a rookie quarterback who hasn't made a start yet, who threw three interceptions on 13 attempts uh, in his debut last week against the Jets. Um, maybe I, I'm just kind of holding on too much to like what the standard that the Steelers have set under Mike Tomlin, where it's like they're going to be tough. Like it, it's weird to see them. Uh, right. Well, the standard like, is the standard. The standard is the standard, folks. But you know, where where do you land on this? Because you know, kind of as a result, the the money's been coming in pretty evenly on both sides, from what I can tell. Um, just because that that number is so big, mm-hmm. so you know, where do you land on on a spread like that? Yeah, this is really difficult. And and you said it. I mean, we have a a major contrast this week compared to not only last week, but the the first few weeks of the season. I mean, right now, I think we have seven games uh, over at Bet MGM that are. Uh, that have a spread of at least a touchdown. And there's two more, three more actually now that, that sit at five and a half. So, I mean, by the time we, you know, we get to kickoff on Sunday, we could have as many as like 10 games that are, that are at least a touchdown. So finally some, some good team versus bad team matchups or so it seems on paper, this is a tough one. I I lean the bills. I I think, you know, there's been years where you'll have spreads creep up to like 16, 17 for me. That's, that's when you really, you have to start looking into it, but um, you know, the, the Steelers are not that bad of a team, I don't think. And it, it's conceivable that, you know, Pickett could could kind of maneuver some things in the first half, at least, and, and keep this relatively close. I, I think there's there's definitely the most amount of optimism in the in the history of the NFL for a quarterback coming off of a three interception half <laughs> in his debut. Like he threw three picks and everybody's like, I thought that guy was awesome, man. He was he was so great. And it's like, well, I think the previous guy was actually really bad. And that's what's making you think this. Um, but, you know, to be fair. All three of those picks were justifiable. You know, one was tipped, one was a Hail Mary, one was a, a true jump ball that, you know, 50-50, but Chase Claypool, you know, you'll usually lean his way on those. So they weren't they weren't bad interceptions, but I think you could also argue that the Bills have played below their level the last two weeks. And if, if there was ever a, hey, we're actually the best team in the league type of statement game, uh, you know, like there, there's a there's a a world in which you could see this game being like 30 to three at halftime. Yeah, we, we've seen, you know, I, I looked into it a little bit. So I, I set the parameters at like uh, back to 2020, uh, basically when, when this iteration of the Bills really kind of started to, to come to fruition. 
Bills started to be considered like, you know, serious, legitimate contenders uh, for the Super Bowl. And they've had some big, big spreads at home that they've covered with ease. I mean, the, the game against the Texans last year, I think, stands out to me. I think they, they went like 40 to nothing in, in that particular matchup against Houston. That was a particularly bad Houston team, of course. Um, but there, there, there have been several instances, even this year against the Titans, where they had to cover double digits at home. And they did so pretty easily. So I'm starting to just lean in that direction. And and again, you know, kind of acknowledge that the Steelers just aren't quite what we're what we're used to seeing. And and I don't think that starting Kenny Pickett uh, on the road after after the Bills have been gone yeah. for the last couple of weeks is going to go particularly well for for Pittsburgh. So I, I foresee that that type of blowout scenario as well. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the like all time difficult first starts. For, for a quarterback, and it's not going to get any easier. I mean, after this, it's the Buccaneers, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Saints, and the Bengals over the next five weeks. So, I mean, it's it, there's not going to be a, an advantageous time, I guess, to throw them in there. Maybe that's part of the logic. But to me, it just – it felt like Pittsburgh needed something, and I, I think that's kind of what Mike Tomlin was getting at, you know, in his – like, he's he might be at the top of the list right now of just, like, coach-speak guys who mm-hmm. don't really say anything. He's a pro. He's a pro's pro oh, yeah. when it comes to that. And – I think he was being really careful. He didn't want to didn't want to trash Mitch Trubisky. He didn't want to, you know, overcommit on Kenny Pickett because it does seem like this is still a week to week thing. But I, I think he got the sense that, like, look, the, I'm not saying the team was quitting on Mitchell Trubisky, but you could you could see some of the reactions, you know, from the receivers as the ball's like sailing way over their head on a third and six. Like, I, I think there was a lack of faith that that Mitchell Trubisky could lead this team, and and even if Kenny Pickett like statistically ends up being the same or even worse than Trubisky. Like um, there's something to be said for, for making a change. Like you don't always want to make a change just for the sake of change. But I think in this specific case, uh, it kind of makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the fear of the, the unknown versus, you know, I I think they gave Trubisky a long enough leash to, to kind of see how he can operate this offense and, you know, there, there are obviously like, you know, really negative reports about all the quarterbacks. I mean, to the point during preseason where like Mason Rudolph right now is is looking like the best one in camp and, and you know, all, all that stuff. Um, but we saw en- enough from Trubisky these first couple of weeks to to know that he's still the same old Mitch and maybe even worse, honestly, because he he's so ri- he was so risk averse that like mm-hmm. no, none of his passes were going downfield. And it just feels like. Um, you know, this is a Pittsburgh group of receivers between Claypool, between Deontay Johnson, now George Pickens in, in the mix as well. Yeah. And it's like they have a, a really nice sports car, but they lost the keys essentially. Like that, they, they, right. they just simply aren't or hadn't been able to to get those guys going with Trubisky. So at least what you can say about Pickett is he's going to you know let it rip a little bit. You could tell by the reaction to the interception on the Claypool deep ball. Like I'm, you know, I'm watching Twitter during that game and I didn't see a single person say wow Pickett shouldn't have thrown that it was like wow Claypool has to come down with that man mm-hmm. like every, everybody's just kind of willing to give him the benefit of the doubt I think there's just a a sense of relief that well, finally we have somebody willing to throw it down there he doesn't care if it's going to be intercepted it, it's fine like I, I think Pittsburgh has been waiting uh, for at least somebody who's willing to make those attempts so it's, it's going to be a more fun team to watch I don't know that it's ultimately going to be a better team I, I think you know this is a really really tough spot uh, this week. And I, I lean the bills. I lean the bills. I, I think they're a team that is built uh, to take care of a business in these matchups. I think that Titans game that you brought up, 
uh, earlier in the season. I think that's a perfect example. And this game's at Buffalo too, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to come up with a, a scenario where you see Pittsburgh hanging around here. Um, in terms of lines that are too high for me, I, I got a few and both of them are sitting at uh, minus five and a half. The Rams minus five and a half against Dallas. And one of the stranger lines of the season so far, uh, I feel like we're being baited here. The New Orleans yes. Saints, the New Orleans Saints minus five and a half. I know they're at home, but they're coming back from London. They're banged up and they are playing the hottest quarterback in the world right now. Geno Smith. Right. And, and so it's become like a very like public side to, to go with, with Seattle. And that that's just crazy to me. And, you know, my, my initial lean is that, yeah, the public has the right idea. Like how can you trust this saints team that either has a less than 100% Jameis Winston or an Andy Dalton back there at quarterback, having just played in London uh, the Sunday prior, that's that's a lot of points to be um, to be covering. Uh, and you know, Michael Thomas has been banged up. I don't know if he's going to be able to go. Uh, there's just a lot of potential problems there. But I guess my hangup can kind of be with with the Seahawks. Like, yes, they they hung. 40 plus points on the Lions last week, but you have to remember that the Lions have given up, I believe the most points in the NFL. So they, they just do not have a particularly good defense. So it's not super indicative. Um, the, the offense struggled in the second half against the Broncos. The offense didn't score a single point against the 49ers. albeit that, you know, the 49ers are, are pretty crazy defensively. Um, but I just feel like that the Seahawks could turn back into a pumpkin at any time. And so that that's kind of where, it kind of leads me to going with the saints here as, as many factors as there are against him, get against them right now and how wrong that number looks on its surface. I think the, the more I think about it and the more that I see just like just utter public confidence. And I think that uh, we'll get to this game in a second here, where there's another one where um, the home team is favored, but everyone loves the, the underdog, uh, the road underdog specifically. And I just, against, everything that that that's in my head i kind of feel like the saints find a way here i think so too i mean this is one of those lines that you know in your mind you're thinking like man saints two and a half you know like it's like do they even deserve to be favored with how bad mm-hmm. they've looked we don't know who's going to be the quarterback and then when a line comes in and it's this far in one team's favor it it, it kind of gives you a line of thinking and yeah i think i think you know the, the belief is that the seahawks are now way overinflated based on one game uh, against a, a banged up Lions team that doesn't play any defense. And, you know, I know the Saints defense isn't what it was, it once was, you know, a few years ago, but still a much better unit. And I thought the Saints acquitted themselves pretty well in a tough situation against Minnesota in London. Uh, you know, not a true road game, but in a lot of ways, like probably more difficult than traveling from New Orleans to Minnesota, you know, having to do that, go all the way to London. Um, and, you know, the big, the biggest thing is, you know, I think when you have the kind of injuries that the Saints have, like, you don't get a normal week to, to rehab and prepare and, and, you know, try to practice things like that. Like when you have to fit in a flight across the world in there, I, I think it just throws everything off. So given the circumstances, I, I think the saints, like obviously we're coming out of last week feeling great about the Seattle offense and, you know, new Orleans lost uh, to, to Minnesota, but I, I feel like that was like the best game that the saints have played all year. Yeah, no, e- easily. Um, you know, they've, they've looked, you know, they they should have lost that game to the Falcons that they, they you know, kind of fell apart against the Bucks. They, they've just the Panthers game, of course, too. So, yeah, they they hadn't looked 
you know, really, really like much of anything yet to, to this point, but yeah, they, they definitely gave the Vikings a run for their money that, you know, the Vikings only covered by a half point uh, in that field goal spread type of game. Yeah. I guess it is again, very difficult to bet on a team there. There's a very small sample. I think the only like five or so instances of teams playing the week after going to London um, generally the team total from, from what I've read, uh, goes under, if that's something that you're considering, if you're looking for a different way, uh, to bet this game. Um, but yeah, against the spread, it's been pretty split down the middle. So it, it's hard to like, you know, draw a trend from that. And again, it's a really small sample. Um, but I, I, again, I just think you have to remember who the Seahawks are holistically and not just who they were last week. Cause I don't think that performance carries over into new Orleans, uh, specifically. Let's talk Rams Cowboys. Yeah, uh, this is this is one of the. Uh, this feels like a just a monster trap game uh, for yes. me personally. I, I am victimized by this line. Um, I, I I don't know what to do, man. I really don't. I I'm so down on the Rams right now. Um, you know that game against San Francisco in primetime, still fresh in the mind. Uh, just how overmatched they looked. I, I thought. I mean, the offensive line versus that Niners defensive line was one of the biggest mismatches we've seen all year. Uh, unit to unit. I, I think I thought Matthew Stafford looked awful. I thought he was really lucky to come out of that game with one interception. I think he could have had four or five. I mean, there were a couple blatant drops. There were a couple others that were maybe 50, 50 type of catches for a defender, but man. Uh, and meanwhile, the Cowboys, like just, they just continue to win with Cooper rush. And, you know, I know that Cooper rush is, is not healthy Dak Prescott. We understand that it's still a, a somewhat limited offense until Dak is back, but the Rams getting five and a half here at home. I don't, I don't love that. I don't love that at all. And this, this game, it, it, I feel the same way about it as I do, you know, St. Seahawks, where it feels like the better team is almost a touchdown underdog here. Uh, but it's like, what do they know that I don't know? So it, it, with in the, the line movement has been really interesting uh, on this one. Like it, uh, it, it was at six as of, I guess, Monday. Um, and, and it bet, it got bet down all the way to, to four, and has since moved back up to, to five and a half. So, I mean, that, that is kind of wild movement overall. You don't, you don't always see the, the type of roller coaster. Usually if it goes in one direction, it kind of stays in motion going that way. And whereas the saints, uh, I'm willing to bet against the Seahawks, um, with the Cowboys, I think the way that they match up with the Rams, that's not what they want to see. The Rams, you know, they're, they're on a short week, not that it's like the biggest deal in the world, you know, having, you know, just having to go back down the coast and, and whatnot. Um, this is just, this is an offensive line. That's really, really bad. And you're going up against maybe the best pass rush in the NFL. And the pass rush is going to travel. You have no home field advantage to speak of. In fact, I bet there's gonna be more Cowboys fans at that stadium than the, than there will be Rams fans. So it, as public as this one feels, I actually do still like the Cowboys and I love that it's five and a half instead of four and a half. Like I, I will keep, you know, keep on that train. So I hope that tra- the, the line continues to move in the Rams direction. Cause I will be the chalk donkey. I will take the Cowboys here. You know, it's funny, the Cowboys, it feels like every week so far, uh, I guess with the exception of week one against the bank or against the Buccaneers, it feels like they're playing the team that has like the worst offensive line that week. Yeah. You know, like the Bengals like Joe Burrow just gets destroyed in week one against the Steelers. Who does he play in week two? The Cowboys. Like Daniel Jones, you know, gets pressured like a record 24 times in week three against the Cowboys. 
Carson Wentz gets sacked nine times against the Eagles. Who does he play the next week? The Cowboys. Rams offensive line looks absolutely awful against San Francisco. Who do they got to go against next? The Cowboys. Like they, they just keep catching like these wounded offensive lines at the right time. Um, it, to me, it almost seems like such an obvious mismatch, like Rams line versus Micah Parsons, that I, I almost want to zag. And I, I think that's what the line is kind of telling us to do here. But like normally, like last year, for example, if the Rams had a bad game, like I I, I was at the, the Rams Packers game where the Rams just looked bad. It was I think it was like right after they had signed Odell Beckham. We expected this offense to take off. And they just look bad. Stafford threw a couple picks, but you don't come. You didn't come away from that game thinking, "Well, Rams are cooked. Like they'll they'll never bounce back from this." I'm not saying they won't bounce back, but it doesn't feel like this this year's team like has the requisite weapons to do it. Like it's it's just Cooper Cup and that's it. I mean, a little bit of Tyler Higby, uh, a little bit of Ben Skoranek, who I consistently confuse for Cooper Cup whenever they're out there. But like, that's their plan. Yeah. Well, seriously, I mean, it's it's like a decoy. Yeah. I, you know, the Allen Robinson thing it's only been four games, but I mean, I'm as, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. Like there are no signs that that's going to come alive anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I, I'm what my point is that normally a team as talented as the Rams, you know, you're willing to write off a bad game and say, well, that won't happen next week. I'm not sure, man. I'm, I'm not sure what, what to think about this offense. No, I, I think that they're in deep trouble. Um, I, I think that they are, you know, even in their two wins who are, or both of whom are against you know, pretty bad teams. I think we can agree um, certainly below average teams in, in the Cardinals and the Falcons. And they let both of them hang around and they looked awful in both of their losses. And and I just think, you know, it comes back to, like you said, not being sold on, on the supporting cast this year that, that you would have been uh, a year ago, offensive line being bad. And I, I think St- there's just something up with Stafford too. I mean, the way that he's throwing, not just a lot of picks, but also just like you said, a lot of turnover worthy throws. And, and uh, you know, that could be a real problem when you have a guy like a ball hawk, like Trevon Diggs. Um, I would be interested to see if, there, if there's like a Trevon Diggs t- uh, pick six prop, because I would probably seriously consider that this weekend. I, I again, as public as it is, uh, as much as the, the odds makers are d- daring us to, to go, with the Rams here, I, I'm just going to go ahead and stick with the Cowboys. All right. Before we get into the read, uh, which for the second straight week, I will not have to do. Thankfully, my, my throat is thanking me. Uh, lines that are too low this week. And we, like you said, there's a ton of big lines. This is a little more difficult than normal. But uh, what were the ones that stuck out to you? Um, I thought that the Eagles, uh, obviously being on the road, it, um, it, it it's going to put a cap on the number, but them only being five point favorites against the Cardinals. I would take the Eagles up to seven. Um, I just think that they're that good. And I think the Cardinals are that bad. And I think that they are, uh, you know, yes, you beat the the Panthers, but I, I'm just not sold on, on this Cardinals team. And it took that miracle comeback against the Raiders earlier in the year. Um, they still don't have DeAndre Hopkins. So at this stage, um, this Cardinals team is someone that I'm going to continue to to go against. So I like the Eagles minus five on the road. And I think the commanders are, are uh, boy, that, that week one game doesn't even look like it, like it was from this season, really. Um, they, they've looked terrible ever since that season opener. Carson Wentz is playing like Carson Wentz. Uh, this is not a good Titans team, but the way that I kind of characterize them is they're not going to be teams that are better than them but they're probably not going to lose to teams that are worse than them. And so only having to cover one and a half at Washington, which is a real sleepy uh, type of stadium, 
where you don't have to worry about, you know, a raucous home crowd affecting things. Oh, you do not. No, no, no. If it, you can worry about the raucous home crowd, like knocking over the railing, maybe when you, when you're on your way back to the, to the locker room, but that's about it. Um, beyond that, I, I just feel like the Titans are better. And so they are going to cover the spread against Washington. Washington's kind of more abundant state will continue. That game has, it's been just, you know, running around in my brain all week. I, I don't know what to do with this one. And, you know, the line has moved in favor of Washington. It was, it was at, I saw it at Titans minus three. It was at two and a half Mm -hmm. uh, just a day ago over on bet MGM and now down to one and a half. I don't know exactly what the commanders have done to deserve that, but I, I just, I don't think the Titans are good. And I also don't think the Colts are good. And the Titans almost lost to the Colts last week and probably should have if the Colts didn't have some just horrific plays down the stretch. Um, I, I think the Titans and the commanders are much closer uh, in terms of how good they are than, than, than maybe we think. Like, it feels like the Titans have the ship righted and they're moving in the right direction. And technically, that's true. I mean, they, they got off to a disastrous start. They've won two in a row. And if they win this one, you know, they're going to be in good shape. But I just, I don't think the gap between these two teams is all that large. I, I, what it comes down to, it's like, what is even the case for the Titans? It's just like better coaching and Derrick Henry. Because other than that, you know, I mean, like they, they have, they're down to like one trustworthy receiver. Traylon Burks is not going to play in this game. They have major injuries on defense. They lost their left tackle. Like there's not a ton to like about this team. No, there's not. So yes, those are my arguments for, for the Titans here, but that, uh, you know, but it's easier to come up with the arguments against Washington, right? So Car- Carson Wentz awful. Uh, they don't know what to do with Antonio Gibson, despite the fact that he's like actually pretty good when, they, when they give him the ball, Jahan Dotson's mm-hmm. dinged up. They don't seem interested in giving the ball to Terry McLaurin and the front seven. Like I feel like it plays less than the sum of its parts. Thanks to Jack Del Rio. He he needs to wear the suit. I I have mixed feelings on Jack Del Rio. I feel like his, his reputation has been on like a slow decline ever since he left the Jags, but he was a great, great coach in Jacksonville. And the moment that he left that team is when things started to unravel for the Jags. I don't want anybody to forget that. Um, Speaking of, the only line that I really felt like might be a little too low, and I'm not 100% sure on this. You know, I, I threw the question mark behind it on our, on our outline. Should the Jags be favored by more than seven over the, the moribund Houston Texans? Oh, word of the day. Um, but no, I, I think so. Uh, the, the Jags are pretty good, and the Texans are extremely bad. They have to go into Jacksonville. Um Tough place to play, of course, as as we know. Um, but the Jags have proven to be road warriors as well. Um, but you know, that just I think to a man, uh, the Jags just look better on on both of their starting units, um, pretty decidedly in in most spots. So, um, and you also got Doug Peterson. Yeah, I feel I feel like the Jaguars can win this one by ten points. I think so too. I think this is a really good bounce back spot. I think this game will maybe not definitively, but it'll give us at least a, a good indication as to how legit the Jags are. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't think you would say that about a matchup against the Houston Texans, but a good team blows the Texans out, right? I think the Texans might be the worst team in the league. They lost to the bears. As much as I would like to say the bears are the worst, they beat the, te- they beat the Texans. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if this, this should be their easiest game on the schedule, it's at Jacksonville. They haven't had a lot of home games so far. Um, I mean, if, if the Jags are the Jags that we think they are, they come out and they win this game like 37 to 10. If, you know, this is a tie game with six minutes left in the fourth quarter, then maybe we start to think that, you know, they, they just got hot uh, for a couple of weeks and they might be the same old Jags. Yeah. So cue, cue the Dennis Green clip 
for, for next week. <laughs> well, hopefully not. I, hopefully we don't have to cue it. I'll, I'll have it ready in case we need it. Uh, I promise I will. Trust me. If the Jags find a way to lose to the Texans, we might just play that clip for 60 minutes straight and call it a day. Um, <laughs> but I, I believe we, we have some sponsorship duties to fulfill now, John. So I will, uh, I'll step aside and let you get to it. Very good folks. Uh, so hello, this is John McKechnie here with the BetMGM read for this week. Kick off the new pro football season with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code BETROTO. That's B-E-T-R-O-T-O. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager or 19 or older if you're in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable. Free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. We see y'all out there, you Michigan disassociated people. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. one 800 Two seven zero seventy one seventeen for confidential help in Michigan. One eight hundred Gambler in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. One eight hundred Bets Off in Iowa. One eight hundred nine eight one zero zero two three in Puerto Rico. Call eight seven seven eight Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at eight hundred eight eight nine. 9789 in Tennessee or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario. That's at 1-866-531-2600 speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, Utah, and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. And scene. Well done. That was the best one yet. I think between the two of us, that was the strongest read. Uh, We we lost two live listeners during the read, but so be it. You know, we gotta gotta take care of business. We gotta keep the lights on. Hefty percentage, but they they already know. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, shout out to the disassociated persons, not just in Michigan, but anywhere. You know, I don't know if that if that exists really anywhere else. I've never heard uh, of a disassociated person from another state, but uh, if those exist, you know, let us know, and uh, we'd love to give you some publicity. Uh, let's keep looking at week five here, John. I, I want to throw some futures at you. And early in the year, you know, we talked about some of our favorite futures bets. We're not going to check in on them every single week, just because I can. You know, I could be make for some long segments over the course of eighteen weeks, but. Every few weeks, we'll, we'll kind of check in. We'll adjust. Uh, we'll take a look at the adjusted odds. And uh, I'm going to throw some bets at you. All I want from you is a simple, are you betting this or are you staying away? And then we could dive in. So first one, the Jacksonville Jaguars, plus 140 to make the playoffs. They're also plus 175 
to win the AFC South. They have the lowest odds right now to win the division. Are you betting the Jags at plus money to make the playoffs? Or are you staying away? Um, I would bet them to uh, at plus money to make the playoffs. I think I would target that division one though, because it reminds me a little bit similar uh, to like the AL central in, in baseball where uh, the wild, like that's not a division that's going to produce a wild card team. So if you think the Jags are going to make the playoffs, it's probably going to be have or have to be through the division route. So take the better odds, go with the uh, a, a Jags to win the AFC South. But yes, I do like that bet. Okay, there we go. The Los Angeles Chargers plus 105 to miss the playoffs. I like it. Uh, Brandon Stanley, Brandon Staley, he might not be it either. I mean, I, I like to rag on Nathaniel Hackett, but Chargers plus money. Uh, but, you know, that's pretty telling. It's only plus 105 uh, for, for them to, to miss the playoffs. You got to re- recognize that as a possibility. That's a really, really tough division. Um, they already have a loss to the Chiefs. I could see them losing this weekend too, even. So uh, I'm I'm taking that bet, actually. Yeah, I, I'm on the fence. And, you know, as the odds would imply, I mean, it's it's barely in plus territory. Uh, I, I think, you know, if they win this week, uh, that, that maybe switches over to, to a minus bet. But, you know, if you start to count out the playoff teams in the AFC, it's like you feel pretty good about Buffalo. Um, you know, right now I feel pretty good about Miami. We'll see if they can, you know, keep this up and see how long Tua remains out. Um, I think both Baltimore and Cincinnati are in pretty good shape in the AFC North. I think one, one wins the division, one gets a wild card, um, you know, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Indianapolis, one of those three in the AFC South. And then Kansas city, I think we feel good about in the West that's six right there. So we're, we're talking about one remaining playoff spot at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, but what if Denver figures it out or what if Vegas figures it out, you know, and, or at the very least, like the division kind of cannibalizes itself. And all of a sudden, like you look up and the chargers right. are two and four in the division. Well, let, let's put it, let's put it this way. We'll say, we'll we'll lock in just for fun. We'll lock in Buffalo, Miami, Baltimore, Cincy, Jacksonville, just because they're technically adverse right now hmm. in Kansas city. So that means you're taking, you know, we'll, we'll say there's one spot up for grabs between Denver, the chargers, the Raiders, the Titans, and the Browns, uh, you know, all due respect to the Jets, I think they probably fade away. Um, so of those teams, Titans, Browns, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, are, are the Chargers at your top of your list? Probably. So that, that that's a good way of framing it. Um, the, if, if Cleveland's still afloat when Deshaun Watson gets back, then, you know, look out. Um, I think that the, the Browns could, could certainly be that team that sneaks into, into the postseason as well and again like i think that they've gotten off to rocky starts but both uh the broncos and um the raiders but i i think that like the difference between them and the chargers isn't all that massive other than you know quarterback i think herbert's the the best non-mahomes quarterback in that division but um the rest of that team and the coaching the, the decisions that they that they make the way that they let bad teams hang around sometimes beat them um it's concerning to me for, for the chargers a long run jalen hurts plus 550 to win the mvp you, you throwing down any coin on that i like it um you know that this is this is an award that that's going to go to a quarterback that, this year there, there's no one having like a cooper cup-esque season so it's going uh, to go to cooper a cup yeah and and even him like you know off of off the pace for, from last year and i think that there's like the novelty advantage of, of Hertz, like 
we we haven't seen him in the MVP discussion before at all. Like whereas we've seen Josh Allen, we've seen Patrick Mahomes, we've seen Lamar, um, all those guys, you know, either be in contention or or win the award outright. So I think Hertz kind of elevating this team, elevating his game in such a such kind of an ex- extreme fashion. If the Eagles are the one seed in the, in the NFC, you got to figure Hertz had a lot to do with it. And I think that that uh, I think the voters kind of, you know, you, you're an NBA guy, you know it better than anyone. Like I feel like there's MVP fatigue with with some of the greats, and and uh, I I know that hasn't been the case with Aaron Rodgers these last couple of years, but I think some fresh blood might be coming, and I think it might be Hertz. Yeah. I can't imagine Rodgers getting it a third time. Um, I mean, the, the, even the last two, you know, he had very good seasons, great seasons even, but they weren't all-time seasons, you know, and I, I think it was kind of a process of elimination, and he, in some ways, just kind of backed his way into it. It's like, well, they won 13 games, and no one else really took it from him, so I guess we'll give it to Rodgers. I, I don't see that happening this year. I don't think he's gonna, really going to have the numbers either way. Um, two-part question, or the second part, I guess, to, to this question is, are you comfortable saying already that the MVP race is narrowed down to four guys, Allen, Mahomes, Lamar, and Hertz? And if not, I mean, who else could sneak in? I mean, the, the odds imply that there's a huge gap between that four and everybody else. Yeah, I think every everything else is, you know, I, w- I wouldn't advise putting more than just a, a couple of shackles down because, you know, Herbert, I was just talking about how I don't think the Chargers are going to make the playoffs. MVPs, they have to be on good teams. It's just kind of how it goes most of the time. Joe Burrow could certainly like wake up and, you know, if, if things look like the, the second half of the season go or the, the, the latter half of the season goes how Burrow finished last year, then like he certainly has a chance to like insert himself into the conversation. But I, I have a hard time seeing anyone leapfrogging any one of these guys, let alone all four. Kenny Pickett, offensive rookie of the year, six to one right now at bet MGM. That's um well he's a he's a quarterback and you know that that award can go to quarterbacks you know pretty pretty often so I mean he's got he's got a leg up there um it's it's tricky I still kind of think that you know someone like a, a Damian Pierce or, or an Olave can get it because you don't have to necessarily be on a good team but if, if Pickett kind of like turns around that this uh, Steelers team like the odds I, I will say this much um they're not going to stay at plus 600 for, for all that long. If, if he even looks uh, remotely the part. So he, he used to be the favorite, um, you know, at, at one point, I believe uh, in this market, and then obviously the, the, it came crashing down after he's not the, the opener. I, hmm, this one's breaking my brain a little bit uh, forgive me, but um, you know, I, I still like Alave and, and Pierce. Um, but you know, that I think you'd be, uh, sort of willfully ignorant to to say that Kenny Pickett can't win this award because he is a quarterback and he's playing for a very you know visible franchise. Whereas like Olave and Pierce might have very good, strong rookie seasons, but for kind of invisible teams that are you know not not going to be in the postseason or anything. Not that the Steelers are either, but um, Pickett certainly there there is a path for him. All of a sudden, you know, at at, at first when the magazine w- was published at RotoWire for. Um, the, this fantasy season, I write the rookies article may or may not have been miffed that the, that, that picket was the pick choice or the picture choice. I was like, Oh, there, there's other guys that are more fun, but Hey, if that works out, then uh, that aged great and a uh, tremendous editorial call by our guy Thorne. 
Hey, Thorne knows what he's doing. He's, he's the best he in the business. Everybody knows it. Biggest head you've ever seen. So there's a lot of knowledge floating around. Also biggest brain inside of mm. that head. He'll, he'll be the first That's to right. tell you. Um, all right, last one. Dallas, plus 350 to win the NFC East. Uh, they're only one game behind the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles, of course, are, are undefeated, but you know showed some signs of, of potential vulnerability against the Jags this past week. And they, they have not played each other yet um but, but both of those matchups still forthcoming so uh Dak Prescott likely coming back in the next couple of weeks Dallas plus 350 is now the time to, to maybe make that bet I'd st- I'd say no I, I know that the odds are intriguing and in, in the way that they've kind of been able to weather this storm without Dak is impressive but the I think the Eagles are a slam dunk to win this division I know we're only a month into the season and that that's a pretty like declarative sentence but I just I feel like the this is I'll be shocked if the Eagles let let this one slip away. I think that they are just too good across the board, mm-hmm. and you know I I don't think it's a guarantee that things look amazing with, with Prescott right away right upon uh, his return because they certainly didn't in that season opener when he was playing. All right, let's hit the games that we've not touched on yet, and uh, then we'll talk some Survivor. We'll do best bets, uh, and then we will be on our merry way. Uh, we talk Giants Packers. Uh, we talk Steelers Bills. Real quickly on Chargers Browns. Chargers two and a half point favorites right now at Bed MGM total all the way up at 47 and a half. I feel like that's a little juiced just because these teams combined for so many points last year. I mean, they combined for 40 plus in the fourth quarter alone. Uh, that mm. was a narrow Chargers victory. I, I don't know if we get those kind of fireworks again, but I think the Chargers can move the ball on the Browns secondary. And I really think the Browns can run the ball on the Chargers defensive line, which it's not as comically bad as it was last year, but it's still pretty bad. Like the, the Chargers are, are a bottom three team against the run. And, you know, I, I think that the prevailing belief is that, well, you, you just, you still think of the Chargers as like the Super Bowl caliber team. They'll take care of business. I, I'm not so sure. I, I think they could get tripped up here in Cleveland. I do too. I'm glad you framed it that way. Um, this is, this is the type of team that the Chargers don't want to see like real physical. I think they should be getting uh, help back with, with Miles Garrett, hopefully, and yeah, the, the run game is just so strong for Cleveland. They're not going to get away from it. They're not positioned to. They, like you said, with the Brissett comments earlier, they know what happens when, when they have to throw it. So, uh, or are put in situations where they have to throw it. So they're going to just go with the control, just go with Nick Chubb, go with Kareem Hunt, and I think get it done or at least make this one really uncomfortable for the Chargers. I'd, I'd love the, the Browns at three, uh, but it's two and a half. And I, I, you know what? I'm still with them there. I just, I, it's hard to trust the Chargers right now. Bears, Vikings, Vikings are seven and a half point favorites at home. We, we feel pretty good about this one. I, I know I'm taking Vikings. Oh, I feel awful. Really? But I, I, I think I have the Bears covering seven. I, I don't know why. I think I it's know, a, it's a division thing, and I know everything. It flies in the face of everything I was saying about the Saints. Also coming off of the, that one-week turnaround in London. Maybe the Bears just are that bad, but um, uh, I don't know. There's, some, there's something up with the Vikings as well, so I, I just don't trust them. to, to net. They look so different than what they – like. I don't know if there's a team whose opinion I've, I've changed the most on since week one than, than the Vikings. Like I, I, They came in and just housed the Packers. I'm like, dang, okay, this could be like a changing of the guard in the north. They've looked pretty middling, in my opinion, since then. So even despite the the three and one record, I don't know. There's something up with them. 
I mean, they're definitely middling, but they're playing the Bears. That that's they are playing the Bears for me, and they're at home. Um, they, they should be healthier. Uh, they're coming off the London game. That's maybe the one thing that, that you could put uh, against the the Vikings, but I, I think they'll be in good shape here. Lions at the Patriots. Patriots three and a half point favorites. We we talked about this one a little bit earlier. Um, I, I don't know what to, this this is in some ways very reminiscent of Seahawks Saints, where the Lions are coming off of a loss, but they still scored forty five. They're leading the NFL and scoring by a wide margin. They may also have the worst defense in the league. And this reminds me a lot of, I think it was week two where, you know, we, we had Patriots and Steelers and, you know, the Steelers were coming off of that win against the Bengals. And, and now, you know, it, it, it just kind of feels like a, a line that it's like, what have the Patriots done, I guess, to deserve to be three and a half point favorites here, but we just, you got to trust the Pats infrastructure. It, I do. I do. It's sturdy. It's, it's, uh, it's not impressive. It's not gaudy, but it's, by God, it's sturdy. So I, I just think that Belichick might be able to just put Dan Campbell's brain in a pretzel here. And uh, right, I it, think the coaching mismatch is the biggest of the week. Yeah. So with with that in mind, uh, yeah, I don't love backing the Patriots this year. That they're you know they're obviously a very low ceiling team, but yeah, the the coaching advantage that they still are going to have week to week, uh, even with uh, Wingus and Dingus as their offensive coordinators doesn't really matter i still think that they they get matt patricia revenge game here uh we, we got to take that into account as well we have not spoken a word about dolphins at jets uh no. weirdly like for as fun as the dolphins have been like weirdly kind of a boring game um even though it's only zach wilson's second start there's plenty of intrigue there I, i'm just i'm kind of just assuming the dolphins are going to take care of business here which is a big assumption for a team that is on its backup quarterback but you know, Teddy's on the short list of, of guys you would want as your number two quarterback. So I, I don't really, I don't really find myself worrying all that much. I, I thought Teddy acquitted himself pretty well last week against Cincinnati did throw that, that late pick uh, looked like kind of a miscommunication and, and that essentially ended the Dolphins chances. So it's not like he was perfect, but I don't think the gap between Tua and Teddy is, is really all that large. No. And you know, it seems to be reflected in, in the lot, you know, what would it be if, if a healthy Tua was starting like five and a half, you know? So like, yeah, I'll, I'll try to look up the line movement here. I mean, it was, it was as high as six okay. uh, a couple of weeks ago. So yeah, I probably closer to five, five and a half. So yeah, uh, only a couple points difference between Tua and Teddy. Um, I, I guess the only way I could see this uh, going the Jets way is, is, you know, yes, they are at home. And if, if last week, ends up being meaningful, then they end up, you know, being able to cover this one. But I, I think that that said more about the Steelers and where they were um, than the Jets necessarily. I mean, it was definitely something that they should, you know, try to take as much as they can from. That was crazy for them to, to win that game in Pittsburgh. Wouldn't have expected that coming into the year, but um, either that was the beginning of, of a new way that we have to view the Jets or they still are the Jets and the Dolphins uh, are fairly emphatically the better team. So um, I still lean the Dolphins, but I, I don't feel as comfortable about it as I'd like to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the Pick'em League, that's going to be right in the middle. That, that's like a Dolphins 8 out of 16. I think that's how that's how I uh, handicapped that one. Um, 49ers-Panthers, kind of a weird matchup. You know, Panthers feels like they've, they've maybe hit rock bottom. 49ers coming off of that big emotional win over the Rams. We got a very low total in this game, 39 and a half is the number at bet MGM. I, I think this one to me feels like kind of an ugly rock fight. You know, I, I doubt the Niners offense uh, looks as smooth as it did 
last week against the Rams, maybe a little bit of a letdown going all the way across the country. But uh, I think at the end of the day, this, this is probably just a, a semi ugly win for the 49ers. I just, I can't picture the Panthers moving the ball whatsoever on that defense. You're probably right. Um, I, I think that most of the public agrees with, with that sentiment. I think a lot of the money is coming in on, on the 49ers. Um, I think the West to East thing um, won't be as big of a deal because it's a uh, one o'clock body clock time for the 49ers. I don't know why the Panthers are getting these afternoon games. Pick someone else, NFL. Um, but yeah, Literally anyone. It, it, no, seriously, though. Literally anyone. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think that the Panthers really are just hey, w- one of the worst teams. I, I've tried to watch as little of them as I've, as I can get away with, basically, at this point. And, yeah, I mean, the, the Niners, they're so solid. I think that they can cause some turnovers for Baker Mayfield and end up covering this one, even if it's not pretty in the process. Eagles-Cardinals. Uh, I like the Eagles in this situation. I, I think the Cardinals – they're hanging in there. I mean, they're, they're sitting at two and two. I, I think it, it, it's kind of an ugly two and two. It doesn't feel like they're two and two, uh, but that come from behind win against the Raiders doing a lot of work there. I, I think at this point, the Cardinals, and we'll see what they look like once Deandre Hopkins gets back in a few weeks. But I think for me, they are firmly in the territory of, they will probably lose to any team that is better than them. Uh, they can beat the bad teams. And then they're like a 50, 50 uh, against teams that are on their level. And even at home here, I, I, I like the Eagles quite a bit. Five and a half is the number, by the way. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely in on, on the Eagles this week. Um, I just the Cardinals that just don't have it. They're they're very disjointed, and the Eagles. I just still believe that they are the best team in the NFC. I think this is another week where they prove it. Bengals and the Ravens. I like the Ravens, John. I I, I am turning to you. Uh, I'll defer to you on this one because you have your pulse uh, on the Baltimore Ravens. But Lamar Jackson. In prime time, this will be the best quarterback uh, that that the Bengals have faced by a mile. Uh, I, I really like Baltimore here. I think the Ravens they know that they need to fix their pass defense. This is the biggest test that they'll, that uh, they're going to have uh, for for that. Other than obviously the Dolphins um, and what happened there, but you know Chase and Higgins crushed them last year. The Ravens have their backs against the wall. Uh, they've lost five straight, I believe, at home. That hasn't happened at all under under the Harbaugh era. I think that this is where they, they get it right. And I think that even with the Ravens having a, a kind of anemic pass rush, um, I think that the the Bengals still are not fixed on the offensive front. So I think that pass rush gets home a little bit more than the Ravens are used to, and they're able to leverage that um, and end up making, making more plays. And so I do like the Ravens here at, at home, prime time. I think this is the spot where the Ravens start to turn things around. Yeah, I, I think that this Bengals defense, um, you know, I, I just, I, they haven't faced anybody like Lamar quite yet. And I know the Ravens might not be at 100%. You know, things might not be running quite as smoothly as they'd like on the defensive end, certainly. But I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think both teams, you know, could end up in the 30s, honestly, by the time we're done. But uh, that'll be a fantastic Sunday night football matchup. Uh, let's talk Survivor real quickly. Uh, give, give me the teams you're leaning toward and then give me your fade. Um, So, I think that this is a this is a fun week for Survivor. Um, last week, I I really really struggled with it. I, I went with the Cowboys, and it's like, oh man, I don't I don't feel great about it. It ended up working out, but um, this isn't a week where you quite have to dumpster dive the same way that you did last week. Um, so I think for for me, uh, it's between the 
the Buccaneers, uh, the Packers. Jeff mentioned the Packers uh, on, on my tweet earlier this week. I thought that that was that was a strong one. If you still have them available, I do not in mine. And then the Jaguars, I think, are are, are strong as well. But I like the Bucks this week because um, as much of a lock as it feels uh, that the Bills are going to win, I just think that from a game theory perspective, when you can get close to a sure thing like the Bucks. And you can also get such a lo- such a lower like uh, pick percentage than the Bills, where the Bills are getting like forty percent. Um, I think that's a chance you take just in the in the almost impossible event that the Steelers win outright. That just wipes so many teams out. We almost saw last week with the Packers. Um, mm-hmm. So I will go with the with you know the option B, uh, which is the Bucks. Okay, yeah, no qualms for me on any of those. I've already locked in the Jags. Uh, I, I really like them this week. Uh, I, 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 I just can't see them getting tripped up, uh, which is crazy how much my opinion has, has come like, you know, full 180 degrees. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I love to see it. Season. But I, I think they're too good. I, I never thought I'd be saying this, but I, I think they are too good to lose at home to the Houston Texans. Uh, I wouldn't mind going with the Vikings if you have them available. Vikings, Bears. I, I know you're, you're a little higher on Chicago's chances to hang around in this game, but I, I think this is a good time uh, to burn Minnesota. If you have them available, tough to come up with a fade this week with so many big favorites. You know, you, you really have to be sticking a, a limb out there. I, I guess you're know, like, I, I couldn't see the chiefs getting tripped up at home to the Raiders, but I think it was a couple of years ago. You know, these teams have played some pretty wacky games, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it does feel like the Raiders have underachieved. You know, I, I think, I mean, the chiefs are what seven point favorites right now at bet MGM, but that total it's up over 50 points. So I think we're expecting to see a lot of points on the board. And, you know, if the Raiders, you know, if they have like a big breakout game in them, uh, now would be a heck of a time for that to happen. Um, all right, it's time to lock things up. Give me your lock of the week, John. The read is my, on the line. My lock of the week is the Bucks. The Falcons are the only team that have covered every spread uh, thus far this season. That trend ends here. Um, I, I think that the Bucks coming off those two tough losses at home. I think we start to see uh, this team really, really wake up um, and, and, you know, kind of make a statement like, Hey, we're, we're still the bucks. We still have Tom Brady. Um, they're getting a little bit healthier, hopefully in their, in the receiving core. Uh, the connection with Evans looks great with, between Brady and him. Uh, and I, I just think that the Falcons going down there, I just don't think it's going to go well. I, I think that, you know, them losing quarter L Patterson um, is, is a tough blow. Uh, it just kind of like lowers their chances of, of actually winning that one outright. So I, I like the Bucks, even if it's a big number. That's my best bet this week. Okay, Bucks nine and a half. John is locking it in. I'm going with the Jags. I'm going with the Jags. We, you know, we've we've talked about this game a ton already. Not much else to say. Jags minus seven. We are locking that up. I, I think they could win by at least a touchdown at home. Uh, that's going to do it for our Week Five preview. Another fun show. In the books, we want to thank our presenting sponsor, BetMGM. Make sure if you're doing any betting on the NFL or college football for that matter, or even the NBA preseason or the baseball postseason, this is a, oh, just yeah. a great time to be a sports fan, man. I love it. Uh, make sure you're doing that at betmgm.com or on the BetMGM app uh, and use our promo code BETROTO, B E T R O T O. You do that, and your first wager is risk free. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.